has come to your little town, Sheriff. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I'm joined by our first recurring guest, who I'm very, very excited to have back on the show. You know them as a New York Times quoted horror blogger and filmmaker, a Fangoria teen correspondent, and the co-host of the Scream Teens podcast, Corey McCullough. Welcome back. Hi, thank you. I didn't know I was the first recurring guest. I'm so honored. I didn't realize it until I invited you back. And I was like, wait a second, you're the first one to come back. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. So thank you for being crazy yeah, enough you. to agree to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Always. And today we are going to have a lot of fun because we are talking about a recent horror movie. I'm used to talking about 20 to 30 year old horror movies, but we are talking about Ty West. Axe, which released a month ago, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So first things first, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Were you excited at all before you saw Axe? Oh, I was so excited. I um, Slashers are my favorite subgenre and they're what got me into horror. So that's that was I was so excited to see that not only was we were getting an original slasher, but to have it be made by Ty West, like in the house of the devil is obviously one of the best horror films ever made. And so I was so excited to see him come back to, to a slasher and for Jenna Ortega to be in it and Brittany Snow and Mia Goth and Kid Cudi, like what a cast. Um, I was so excited. And I was really, I was really on the fence about A24 producing it. Cause I love A24's movies, but I, <laughs> I go to film school. And so I was so, so ready for everyone to be like A24 invented slashers. Like they made an <laughs> elevated slasher. And I was just, I didn't want to deal with it. But so far I haven't had to put up with very much of that. Thank God. That's and good. I was, I was really interested to see if it would be, you know, like a, like an A24, like the horror we've seen in the past, if it would be sort of like a, like an art horror piece, but it totally wasn't. And I was so happy that it was, it was such a, a throwback to like the classic grindhouse slashers that we usually get. And it re really just blew me away. I was so happy with it. It is such an interesting film. And before we get any further, I just realized this is going to be spoiler heavy for sure. If you've not seen Ty West's latest masterpiece, either stop listening and come back or uh, have it spoiled. Or, yeah, have it spoiled. <laughs> I mean, that's your choice, not ours. But we have seen it and we're going to talk all about it. And I'm going to be honest. This is the first Ty West film I've ever seen. Wow. You've I got some homework seen... to do. <laughs> you haven't seen. Did you see VHS? Is that Ty West? Well, it's a bunch uh -huh. of everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. But he does some of it. I'm going to be honest. I was not a big fan of I didn't even finish it when I first saw uh, VHS. Okay. <laughs> um, for whatever reason, I think it's a lot of little reasons all into one. Yeah. When I saw it, I, I saw it with one of my buddies up at State. And I, I'm not the biggest fan of found footage films mm. to begin with. As far as subgenres go, that one does not appeal to me as much. Mm. And then I think I was tired 
when we started it. <laughs> and then it kind of start before it goes into like the actual because it's like an anthology, which is weird. I love anthologies, <laughs> but I just remember the people before they find the VHS. I just remember they're kind of like sexually harassing a woman. And I didn't like that. Yeah. I don't know. It just felt like I saw that. I'm like, oh, we're, we didn't we're not even in the horror I don't feel like watching this right now. And then I never <laughs> totally got back sense. to it. Totally makes sense. But what segment does he do? I don't, I do not remember. Let me look it up. Um, well, I know it was, oh, he does the second honeymoon, which is like the couple one. Mm-hmm. And they go to the Grand Canyon. I didn't see that. I didn't get that far. <laughs> I know. Well, anyways, In the House of the Devil is one that I think you'll like. And that's one I've heard a lot about. Not a lot yeah. as I, I have no clue what it's about. <laughs> I just hear it's, it's very good. It's incredible. It is so good. And I don't want to give too much away, but it it's really good. And um, it's such a such an interesting film that calls back so many classic horror films. So it's really fun. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Greta I, Gerwig I, is in it. And it's like early oh. Greta Gerwig. And it's like, that's really fun to watch. I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's good. All I know about it is the title. It's by Ty West. Honestly, I don't even think I know anything about it and more I have preconceptions in my head. Mm. So I think it's about the devil who's trying to buy a house. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the whole it's actually just the the horror is the real estate market. Yeah. That's that's what I thought. And for whatever <laughs> reason, I think red is the primary color of the film. Yeah, I mean I have yeah. no clue if that's true or not. I have not yeah. seen the film. Uh, I just feel bit, like it's yeah. red. Like I think you'll find this interesting because you are a film student uh studier of cinema but i feel like certain films kind of have a color to go with its identity yeah totally um and whether or not it's true that's just how i like for example the matrix for me is a green film yeah yeah for sure or uh nia da costa's candy man i've i feel like it's yellow yellow mm-hmm Absolutely. And yeah, I think no, marketing I mean, has a lot to do with it too. Yeah. There's a lot of like color theory that goes into that. Like obviously Midsummer had a lot of like whites and pastels and was a daylight yeah. horror versus like, I don't know, like a Texas chainsaw would definitely be a much darker, more red film. But yeah, I'd say in the house of the devil is, is red for sure. And it's, I don't even, I don't want to say anything. I feel like you could just go in blind. It's, it's really excellent. And it really makes you like nostalgic for the like classic horror films. It's just, it's so much fun. And the acting is incredible. It's such a great, like low budget feature. It's wonderful. And it's crazy. (laughs) It goes like from zero to a hundred so fast. I got to check it out because everything you just said, I think can be applied to X as well. Mm -hmm. No, his style, like you totally see how they connect. I had no clue what to expect from it going in because I, I all I did was see a trailer mm-hmm. and I saw it like two months beforehand. So I've kind of forgotten the trailer. Yeah. So I grabbed my buddy. And I go, hey, we're going to go see X. And <laughs> neither of us were. He was less prepared than I was. I did know there was um, they were trying to make a porno. I knew nothing else. And he didn't even know that much. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I like watched the trailer and totally forgot about it. And like, I, I'd known the, like, all I knew was like, it's a slasher and everyone I like is in it. And I love the director. So I was like, but I purposely didn't like read anything on it. Cause I didn't want to know what was going on. Well, I was surprised because I was like, Hey, Brittany snows in this, even though I saw yeah. her in the trailer, I was still surprised. <laughs> she was 
so good and i'm so happy that she's doing more horror because she's such a scream queen and she really she was like i don't want to say she was the mvp because there was no there's no everyone was so in that incredible cast. yeah kid but cody she, was really good okay i like, I'm was about not, to, i did not know what to expect with him but he was really good i'm about to uh out myself as not being one of the cool kids with the pumped up kicks but i don't know who kid cootie is oh he's like a he's like a singer i don't think i know any of his songs i couldn't tell you one right now and i i don't i feel like i'm not that bad when it comes to music because i'm like he did like i know olivia rodrigo she's popular yeah yeah i don't know his songs are like i don't know if they're they're like hip-hop and they're i really like his work like Mm -hmm. did you there was like this old song called day and night that was popular and i think like the 2010s that he did i know he did like pursuit of happiness and mr rager i know day Um, and night but the fact that you just called it old i'm like no that's a height oh (laughs) i think i'm getting old (laughs) sorry um i just remember singing that in like middle school so that oh that made me feel so (laughs) so old he was also in a duo with kanye west at one point called kidsy ghosts if you ever heard of them i think they only made like one album but i i did not know they were a du- i almost said who's kanye but I, <laughs> that would I, I, no one would believe me if i tried pulling that act yeah but he's done <laughs> he's been like doing a lot more acting and he was in the new bill and ted movie and it's really oh. funny when he gets when he gets there like bill and it's about bill and ted's uh kids and they go kid could he and it's <laughs> That's exactly what I said when I saw him in X. So oh my, anyways, he's, I was so excited to see him do more acting roles. He's so, so funny. Well, I don't know if we're going to get to it today, but there's definitely a conversation to be had about musicians <laughs> transitioning to acting yeah. and mm-hmm. vice versa. Especially, I think we're seeing a lot of it with uh, horror as well, because like Megan the Stallion is doing a, a lot of horror pieces, which I'm really excited about. She's writing she something. really? Yeah, so she made like a a series of short films of horror short films called Haughty Ween uh, a couple <laughs> years ago that were so just so much fun. Like she's a huge horror fan, and so that's why a lot of her music videos reference horror movies. And she's currently writing a horror film with Jordan Peele, and I am so beyond excited for it. So beyond excited. So I like I can't I wait. like her. I know a few of I her love songs. Her. Oh, I just got sad because of where my thought process went. But the Foo Fighters <laughs> just had their film. Yeah, come out. yeah. And um, rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. That's tragic. So yeah. Did you see Studio Six 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 yet? I have not had the chance. I I really wanted to, and I just never got the chance. And now it's like not in any of the theaters near me. But the second it goes to streaming, my roommates and I are really excited to see it. Well, I gotta figure out if it's on vod because i'll just rent it i don't care yeah i want to see it oh you no, know what I... it is it is on vod oh but it's well, not for renting it it's only for own you can only own it that's that's the thing i don't want to buy a digital copy because i'm just gonna buy the blu-ray yeah and then it comes with the digital copy whenever you buy like a blu-ray or a 4k it always comes mm-hmm. with that code yeah so it's like i'll have the digital copy anyways so I guess I'll still wait. That's another one, though. Jenna Ortega is having a year because she was in right. that X and Scream and she was in The Fallout and she was in she's going to be in the Wednesday TV series like 
this is her year and I'm so happy about it. Wait, wait, wait. Wednesday TV series as an Adams family Wednesday? Yeah, she's going to play Wednesday Adams. It's a what? it's a Tim Burton piece which oh. I don't know how I feel about that, but um she's playing Wednesday. She looks awesome. We finally got like one of our first looks at it just recently. Luis Guzman is going to play Gomez. Ooh. Uh it's I I'm very him. excited. Yeah, he's great. So I don't know. I think it's it's a Netflix series and it's it looks like it's gonna be really cool. Catherine Zeta Jones is playing Morticia. Like, I don't know, it just looks like it's gonna be a fun cast. And Jenna, I think, is the perfect casting for Wednesday. So well, it's oh, and really Christina funny. Ritchie's gonna be in it. So oh, anyways. That's cool. <laughs> I like that. But it's really funny yeah. because we talked at length about Tim Burton last time when we mm-hmm. talked about the Headless Horseman. And um, how Tim Burton movies hashtag so white, but um, I think I think he that's a step, right? Well, this is like the first time he's really casting people of color, and so I think people, I think someone probably talked to him about he his listened to us statements. Yeah, it was we did that. Yeah, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. We did that. You're welcome, uh, world. But no, that is no. But I really it made cool. my day because I was like, about damn time. But yeah, <laughs> but seriously, that's really cool because that that means some Tim Burton like looked at himself in the mirror, yeah, and said to himself, "I could be better." Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, and it's we really like cool growth. that we're getting it is canonically like a Latin fam- family, so it's really cool yeah. that they're getting like the real representation of that. I'm very excited. That's so cool, and. uh so cool for jenna ortega who's just blowing up i feel like yeah. i first saw her in scream and now she's everywhere and i'm okay with that <laughs> she is <laughs> so insanely talented like i don't know give her her oscar already like <laughs> she was in also um i don't know if you saw the babysitter movie um that's the one with um samara weaving samara weaving yeah she was in the sequel to that on netflix i really like the babysitter movies i think they're a lot of fun <laughs> i did not and see so the those are some fun original slashers that i really enjoy and she plays like this really fun character in it and she was also in you on netflix with uh it's like the movie about the stalker guy yeah she's she's great in it and but she's been like she's been acting forever she, you know she did like a lot of like nickelodeon disney okay. kind of shows so like i grew up seeing a lot of her work so I'm very excited to see her finally like getting into a lot bigger stuff. Well, she's still very, very young. She's like yeah. 19, mm-hmm. maybe 20. Yeah. That's very exciting for her and exciting for us because we get to watch. Yeah. And it's also like really cool that we get teens being actually played by teens, which is something that I always talk about. So <laughs> whenever she gets cast, I'm like, yes, let's go. But soon she's going to have to start playing college age kids. I That would be great. She can't do those teen roles much longer. I'm mm-hmm. I'm putting your role into effect. <laughs> Thank you. And then um this blew my mind. I, I did not notice this watching the film, but Martin Henderson, who plays the Wayne. porn guy. Yeah. Wayne. <laughs> yeah. He was in the ring. Who was he in the ring? He plays the dad. No way. Yeah, someone told me that. I was wow. like, what? And now, this- now I can't unsee it. This movie is such like a combination of so many horror icons, I feel like. Right. It's and like really cool to go from the dad in the ring to daddy, like slay. That's a slay <laughs> moment. <laughs> That's awesome. And how have we not talked about Mia Goth yet? 
Be a goth. The second I saw that old lady, I was like, oh my god, how she played both of them, how she played Maxine and Pearl. <laughs> that was insane. That was literally so insane. And she did it so well to a point where like it's really hard to notice that they're the same actor. And mm-hmm. oh my god, I just want her to be cast in everything. And thankfully, it seems like she's she is being cast in everything. But <laughs> It's about time because she's so good. I'm going to be perfectly honest. As someone who has devoted a bunch of years to studying uh, cinema, I got my degree in the film studies and whatnot. I like to think I'm pretty good at watching movies. Mm-hmm. That my brain do good when it comes to the uh, the motion pictures, but it took me like I I had no clue that was Mia Goth playing really? the old lady too. That went way over my head, and I was looking up letterbox reviews like a true cinephile, and people kept saying, "Oh, Mia Goth was so good playing both roles," and I was like, "Wait, what now?" And I, I had a Wikipedia of that shit. I'm like, "Oh, maybe I'm not that smart." <laughs> No, no, no. It was really hard to tell. And also a testament to the makeup department because mm-hmm. those effects were unreal. She looked, I mean, it didn't look like there was any makeup on her at all. It was crazy. But um, I thought it was a just a completely different actress. Yeah. No, it totally looks like it is. I only realized it because she said, like, she was showing her the picture of herself when she was younger. And I was like, is that Mia Goth? And like, they looked, I don't know, they had similar noses. Mia Goth has such specific features that I was like, interesting. But yeah, it was insane. Pearl has got to be one of my all-time like favorite (laughs) slasher villains now she's crazy she was girl bossing um (laughs) absolutely unhinged so unexpected incredible i love that the trailer is like she's gonna be you know the bad guy and then the (laughs) film itself is like she's gonna be the bad guy but somehow you're still like there's something else at work there's got to be something different and then she's the bad guy and it's like no it this movie she's just bad This movie told you exactly what it was going to do and you're still surprised. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think, I mean, I think obviously as a society, we often underestimate women, especially older women, and we don't think they'd be capable of that. And so it it was so shocking how, how crazy she truly was. But I also thought it was a really interesting statement about like how we treat the elderly in in our society. And because you do feel bad for her. You're like, obviously she's been very like cut off in the world very lonely there and in a way that i feel like i feel bad for leatherface in texas chainsaw because it's like Mm -hmm. like there's so little that he could have done to be different like he had so little opportunities to get out of that situation you know especially because he doesn't know yeah like how yeah exactly i i also think mia goth's sorry totally going off track here but mia goth's (laughs) final girl vaccine was so good and it was such a great twist on like the classic virginal final girl like she was totally the opposite and i so appreciated that she's a great final girl i think oh yeah and she, she still has that strength that the mm-hmm. iconic final girls have that yes. Lori and sydney prescott and ripley totally i don't remember if she has a one-liner i just remember that she fucking runs over pearl's head with a truck Double taps it. Crazy. It's her one-liner is something like divine intervention or or something like that. Like yeah, it's about the god, the her dad on the TV show. Which that I thought that was a cool twist that I was. That was so great. Think I I was. Of course, she's the preacher's daughter. Who else would she be? (laughs) You mentioned earlier how this 
was a very not like a elevated i use that term that um, term means nothing is the thing like it's but it's it wasn't like this film felt like a film that could have been made i mean despite the societal viewpoints and the culture of of the time like it really felt a lot like a texas chainsaw like a like a 70s slasher and it was so gory and grotesque and nasty um, in the best way. And that you usually don't see that same kind of, I don't know, that same kind of like viewpoint of, of violence. Usually right. it's, it's so different in like an Ari Aster film or like a lighthouse type of thing. So this felt like a normal slasher. And I really appreciated that. I also appreciated that it had the brains along with the guts because Mm -hmm. it it doesn't present itself as that artsy fartsy, like the hereditaries are the lighthouses. Yeah. But it's just as smart, you know? Oh my God, totally. And it's the filmmaking itself is so, so genius. And it's such a gorgeous film that was so well made and well written. So it really, it's almost like a testament to show you that like not every film has to be like not, not every horror piece has to be quote unquote elevated. Right. And or that that term doesn't exist because there can be genius films made that aren't elevated. I like to think of them as presenting themselves as elevated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I a film that thinks elevated. Exactly. Cause I feel like there are those artsier films that's like, yes, I made a horror film for us snobs. You know what I mean? Whereas this one's like, yeah. no, we're going to get bloody, but also. I got shit on my mind too. But also like, this is a film about making a porno. Like you guys aren't getting what you want. (laughs) But then it's also about aging, the fear of aging, the (laughs) fear of those who have aged. How come once you reach a certain age, it's gross to have sex, you know? And it's also about cinema too. Yeah, it was so many amazing, like they really just pulled everything into that movie and it's it's so good. It's just so well made. And I love, I know everyone that I've seen at least are giving it the Texas Chainsaw comparison. I mean, it is a slasher set in Texas, so. Exactly, with especially the aesthetic Mm -hmm. that it goes for. Like that comparison is not unwarranted, you know, like it proudly wears that influence on its sleeve, but it also... To me, I I thought this film was just as much Psycho. Totally. Even more. I mean, Psycho is kind of like the quintessential original slasher film, like besides Halloween. So it makes sense. It follows the tropes in that way. And like, and I know it references Psycho halfway through, but it's so much more than that reference. Yeah. It's like Psycho in terms of structure, in terms of cinematic language, I think. It's, I do think there's a lot of Hitchcock in the blood of X. I totally agree. And Psycho is one. I love Psycho. That is a mm-hmm. film that should always be studied. <laughs> when I was at Michigan State, I took a seminar for a semester all about Hitchcock. And that was one of the most enlightening courses I took. Anyways, to say it's interesting when you watch a film like X, and you can see like its lineage, but how X is pushing those ideas forward and having entirely new ideas as well. Yeah, totally. And I also just appreciate the fact that the characters straight up talk about, yeah, well, Psycho changes midway through. And then X did exactly that. <laughs> it goes, it takes such a turn where like, you're like, oh, I know where this is going. 
oh my god no I don't <laughs> and it right. gets so much darker than like you even could have imagined so I don't know he really turns it on its head and then you do know what's going on but then you think you're wrong and yeah. then it turns out you were right like I don't know it's totally in that Hitchcock way of like just subverting all your expectations I'm gonna be perfectly honest for a solid 40 minutes I thought this was a movie about witches <laughs> I still thought it was going to be a slasher but I thought the husband was going to be more involved in the in the slashing he had his moments he felt like the yeah he, but he was I thought he was going to be more evil than he was he he's he seemed like the accomplice yeah to me yeah totally like and I felt bad for him because if I felt that he truly did love his wife yeah. And he'd do anything for, sure. for her. And he's like, I want to, I want to so bad, like, please you. I don't want to have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. And then they do the nasty, which is cool. But then, and he survives that. But then he has a heart attack at the like tiniest little thing. That was I'm like, so what is this funny? <laughs> I don't I know. I thought so that was crushed. really funny. And I, I feel like the, the absurdity of him just like having a heart attack out of nowhere and having that be so like, coincidentally helpful to the story was so funny and so in the realm of camp that slashers have to yeah. be so i don't know perfect. i really enjoyed that yeah and then pearl has the audacity to be like help my husband's having a heart attack and maxine's just like you know maxine's like okay like, <laughs> why would i care right um, that was so funny i just yeah <laughs> i also loved i loved the setting that shot of of mia goth swimming with the alligator like mm -hmm. I love I'm like a super huge fan of like shark exploitation and like alligator movies <laughs> and that kind of thing. So I was like, yes. And when the alligator, I think it's the alligator attacks Brittany Snow, right? Yeah. That was like my, my favorite. <laughs> that made me so happy. And I don't I have no idea how true this is, but I know they had a fake alligator, but apparently, and this is all according to my friend Raina Cervantes. So if this is wrong. This is that's on her. <laughs> but, okay. Um, apparently, they used a real alligator for some of the shots, and that is so cool to me. I love that the overhead shot, which you just referenced, like that is. I sat in the theater. I was like chills. That's like computer uh, wallpaper. You know totally. what I mean? That's something perfect. you get a screen grab and you put it up as art. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's another influence this film leans on is the creature feature, which yeah I also love. Which is kind of what makes it feel like there's something more sinister going on, like behind the scenes that isn't just the couple, which I liked. And that's why I thought witches. Yeah. Because I don't know. I feel like the witch would be best friends with an alligator or have some kind of alligating enchantment spell. Like no. alligator is going to alligate. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, she was just uh, she was just Betty White and like Placid. She just <laughs> knew the alligator. <laughs> exactly that's like well, that... i had literally just watched like placid before this and so that was oh, you did? all i could think about the whole time yeah when i was watching this movie oh uh, that was one of my one of my favorites growing up i have not seen it since because i'm afraid it's that i'm gonna okay i think it held up pretty well because i'm afraid think... that i'm gonna like rewatch after all these years and be like oh no it's bad <laughs> That was me in the I first really... Pokemon movie. Oh no. That's what I said. I don't know. I think it I think it's even crazier now, but it's so much more fun. And the the romance between Oliver Platt's character and Brendan Gleason's character. Incredible. It's so much so, better. It's been so long I completely forgot those two were in it. You, you look at the cast it's and you're like, so how did long. they how did they afford this? But <laughs> like Betty White, why and did she agree to do that movie? 
Well, that movie had a budget because they had Stan Winston effects. Yeah, I like don't know. Post Jurassic Park Stan Winston effects, where Stan and they're Winston, good. Yeah, and it looks good. I remember the alligator eats a bear, which is crazy. Oh my god! And I think it eats, it like, eats a cow. It eats the helicopter. It eats a cow. Betty White feeds her cow to the right. To the- yeah, and I love animatronics. So animatronic like monsters are the coolest thing on the planet, obviously. And oh yeah, that, that movie just kills it. But I was yeah. Throwing... Anyways, to get back to X. Sorry. Oh yeah, I was about to take us to Jurassic World. So yes, X, X, please. <laughs> yes, I think I think it was so good. I loved all the kills. It was really funny. The entire setup of the movie, and it was just so well done. <laughs> I don't know. I think well, it's a very feminist I, film, which I enjoy as well. Well, I was thinking that um, because you mentioned the kills. Let's talk about that first one for a little bit where camera guy, I forget. RJ, I think is his name. Your memory totally is really good. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the IMDb page right now. OK, that works. That works, too. <laughs> but um, let's go with RJ. I think that's right. His death was so gnarly. Oh, and he's so. It was so good. I listen, I felt kind of bad for him, but also I was like, you know what? This character deserves it. <laughs> he deserves it. You know, because he's all about, you know, he's all about making it uh Cinema. art. C- exactly. Art. Elevated killed porn. immediately. <laughs> yeah. Killed immediately in the in the worst way. And I was like, do it. <laughs> and it's after because Jenna Ortega's character is feeling empowered. <laughs> she wants to be a part of it. But now, oh no, 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 you're you're not doing that. He takes yeah. ownership he of her, which a, is nasty. And it's the, like he was the worst. He was such like a such a film bro, such an obnoxious boyfriend. I was so happy when he died. And I think Pearl really, really went off with his kill. I thought it was so good. Well, he's like beheaded, right? Because mm-hmm. she because she paints everything red with that. Oh my god, it's so you, you have to see it like I can describe it perfectly and it will not do it any justice. Yeah, no, it was it was insane. But I think my favorite kill besides the gator one was oh, definitely yeah. definitely the pitchfork through the eye. That was so much fun. I didn't know That's... it was a pitchfork at first. I just saw something go through the eye <laughs> and I was like, damn, he got got. And then she comes in with a pitchfork. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind it for a second because you need to know why I thought witches. First off, alligator. Um, not necessarily a witch thing, but like witches do animal stuff. Oh no, yeah, totally. Then her first kill on RJ, she like stabs him in the neck a bajillion amount of times. I wanted to say six times to reference our boy Dr. Samuel Loomis from Halloween, but it was definitely more than six. Way more than six. <laughs> and I was like, oh, she killed him. And then it looked like she was kind no. of dancing in his in his she blood. She was having a good time, and you know what? Good for her. Like I was like, she's feeling herself. She's having fun. Like, <laughs> well, I thought for whatever reason, I thought witch by dance. killing him, witch dancing, she was getting younger because she was getting oh, more spry. Been, I thought that that was going to be some kind of twist in the movie. Was that like Mia Goth was going to become her or something, or like she yeah. was Mia Goth's character? And like some kind of time travel loop thing happened or something. And maybe she was and that just wasn't explained. But I don't know. We're getting a prequel. <laughs> oh, exactly. I thought exactly. there was going to be something weird like that as well. I saw I saw I whole ass saw that prequel teaser at the end because I heard there was something at the credits. And I'm like, OK, uh, thanks for the heads up, Twitter. And then my dumbass still thought, oh, 
they got Mia Goss to play Pearl in this one. <laughs> oh, that's a weird choice. That's exactly where I my wonder brain what that's went. Thing. Yeah. No, but um, I don't know. I thought there was going to be something, something like that, you know, where they were going to. Yeah. I thought Wayne was also going to be like the old man. And so there was going to be some big twist. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, but when when he gets got in the eye and then she walks in with the pitchfork, I was like, which? Yeah, because that's that's, you know, devils have pitchforks and I guess farmers, which makes sense. But <laughs> nah, they're mainly used by the devil. Right. Right. Because that's like what else uh, are they um, used for? Because that's the iconography, because even yeah. the Ned Flanders devil in Treehouse of Horror has a pitchfork. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the silhouette of her walking the barn with the pitchfork, I'm like, which, which? And then I was wrong. It had nothing to do with witches. I don't remember being that wrong watching a movie in a long time. I mean, I also think like Mia Goth was in Suspiria. Like there's a lot of a lot of things you could have like tied to witches there. Yeah. But yeah, no witches in this one. Maybe there will be in the prequel. Who knows? It's not ruled out. Yeah. It's definitely not <laughs> ruled out. And then <laughs> the out. Oh, my God. Brittany Snow being eaten by an alligator was just she was so good in that movie she deserves so much more credit because she is so talented and what a great kill Jenna Ortega's kill was so fast it was so out of nowhere you blink and you miss it you know Mm -hmm. which is kind of the fun of it but yeah the only one I really loved how immediate it was I know and it like paints like the ceiling a bit yeah it was like what because it because that's really good directing, because I'm pretty sure that's all practical. Oh, my God, that's insane. Like one tiny mistake, you have to take, you know, you have to mm-hmm. do another take. You have to clean up, clean it yeah. up before you can do another take. So rehearsal is our friends. <laughs> the only one I think who had a disappointing death was. Um, it could Yeah, you know exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I just think it's like forgettable, like. I was going through all the kills and I was like, wait, how did he, how did he die again? Like, I still liked it. I thought it was kind of a nice way to showcase how sinister the, because at that point you're like, oh, the husband maybe isn't in on it, you know? Yeah. And, and then that's how you find out. But boy, was I bummed. I really wanted him to survive. Or get a, you know, far more creative. Better death. Yeah. Because not that. He deserved a good death. Not that guns can't be creative. Jenna Ortega's death was very creative. It was was kind of boring. I feel like gun deaths are usually pretty boring. You know what? Challenge accepted. I'm going to think of a really gnarly gun death. See, I say that because I'm from a generation where guns, like, I can't, I just can't deal with them. Like, I can't write them into scripts and I don't like watching them on TV. And I think they're boring. But I don't know. I feel like every time I see a gun death, I'm like, okay. Like, you could have made this 10 times more creative. I have seen Halloween. Four. Mm-hmm. Is that the one where Michael Myers grabs a shotgun and then stabs see, I still through? think I still see, but that's not the same as a gun death because that's a stabbing and that's cool. But okay. If you're shooting, if you're shooting, it's boring. Unless you're shooting something cool, like Harley Quinn shoots like bean bags or whatever out of her gun. And that's fine because they're not bullets. What about the end of Jaws? No, that that doesn't do it for you. Jaws is one of my all time favorite movies, but I was like boring. It could have been cooler. How do you make how do you make the ending of Jaws cooler than blowing up a shark and watching the bodies? I don't know. They could have blown them up in a cooler way. 
I thought it was pretty. I mean, it's kind of like a I mean, almost cool. like a mushroom cloud of blood, and then the bodies are hitting the floor. Not or I guess the water. And you see, if you look closely, you can see the kid. And I'm like, oh, that's a gnarly effect. Yeah. And then he goes like, smile, you son of a bitch. But then the bitch is censored by the explosion because you got to keep it PG. No, we can watch a shark, a 20 foot long shark blow up with bodies falling. But he can't say the word bitch without it being censored. No, that's that's too much. Well, I get I guess you're right, because I can't think of. I just think it's like it's like if you were a skilled killer and you were like a killer that I respected, you would have a thing. So like obviously like the fun thing about slashers is they all for the most part have like their like specific weapons like freddie has the gloves obviously the scream knife michael has the knife and so it's like i don't know i just feel like if you're skilled enough to be like a serial killer i want you to be using fun stuff i don't want you to be using a gun let's just like boring because the only ones i can think of are the gun itself is not the creative part it's more Mm -hmm. of the shock yeah so the Jenna Ortega death in this one, it's just a shock. Like of it the happening. shock would have been the shock would have been as shocking if there was another way to instantly kill someone. Like if it was a throat slashing when she like opened right. the door, you know, what about a bow and arrow? I love bow and arrows. That's that would work. Liz. That works. See, I'm thinking like you got to be more if you're going to shoot something, it has to be creative. Like do a I don't know what those those things you rocks that you put in like oh, uh, a slingshot. slingshot. Yeah. <laughs> Do something cool. Guns I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Or lasers. Ooh, I like lasers. lasers. Would be cool. But yeah, anyways, I because I grew up like really close to Newtown and Sandy Hook happened like when I was yeah. around that age in school. So I just can't do them like it. It honestly, every time I see it, it like makes me take a point off of a movie because I'm like, that's something you did that you could have been more creative with. And that's something that we're talking about in acts like that was the least creative death in the film. Yeah. Although I do appreciate the fact that the husband, I'm not going to remember his name, but the husband, he's like doing the mean death glare that whole time. And Mm -hmm. he's like going off and off. And because he's an old man, Kid Cudi's like, no, yeah, I understand about it. Yeah. And And like, I understand why theoretically like that death works because of the specific situation that that character is in, because obviously he probably isn't in the right shape to like stab somebody. But I don't know. I wanted it to be more creative. One day. Yeah. But, you know, as far as the kills go, this is like an A film, you know, Mm -hmm. X gets an A when it comes (laughs) to the demises of its beloved characters. Totally. And I think it survives that weaker one. Oh, for sure. And I think that's also like a Ty West thing because the House of the Devil kills are epic. Yeah. So I'll have to check that out for sure. All right. I got to ask, what was the creepiest part of the film for you? Ooh, that's tough. Because I thought this film did a really good job in the creepiness factor. For sure. I think it was probably that guy in the basement, the Mm -hmm. dead body that was like strung up in the basement. Just because, like, we all know what she was doing there. And that's not cool. Come on, Pearl. You could do better. <laughs> Don't do that, girly. That was my, oh my those are my thoughts. <laughs> For me, I'd have to go with Pearl slipping into bed with Maxine. That was so... That was so hard Ugh. to watch. Uh, but it's creepy. I just felt like... bad for her the whole time. Because I was like, she's so like, she clearly doesn't even understand why this is weird. And that's like kind of the sad part. It's like, yeah, she clearly has no understanding of like 
other people. I don't know. But can you imagine waking up and there's a stranger like that is horrifying. Yeah. Let alone it being a murder grandma. Um, Because she's covered in blood at that point, too which is she's also, also just like horrifying. a r- weird old lady like yeah I- i'd be creeped out if she wasn't covered in blood let alone being covered yeah in blood. yeah holy holy moly this is this is a movie i find it i thought this film had a lot of great humor in it oh it was so funny because especially like when... uh wayne's character is so funny <laughs> and so yeah. is and so is britney snow bobby lynn they're so good in the gag that i think it might not be a gag, but what made me laugh really hard was the whole conversation between the husband and Kid Cootie. And Kid Cootie's like naked. <laughs> that was, and, I forgot about that. That was so funny. And it's just like, oh my I need God. Help it, finding my wife. Cool. Let me put on some pants. <laughs> and you, it really, I mean, it really showed just how drastically different the characters were and how yeah. uncomfortable that poor, poor old man was so uncomfortable <laughs> in that situation. And like, what was he supposed to do? It's right. Like, he's got to be truly desperate if he's asking him for help. Um, exactly. But, you know, all part of their plan, I guess. Yeah. Because they got them one by one, as well, we I, do in our beloved slashers. See, what I wasn't sure on was whether mm-hmm. or not he was really like planning it or if she was just kind of going crazy and he was like the cleanup crew and like trying to make sure you know whatever she was doing was like working I guess and she wasn't like being like she wasn't getting murdered I felt like he was almost being not forced into it because obviously he could have stopped her but like I don't know I feel like he didn't have as much of a, a choice in the matter I think he was just trying to follow her well I think it was for me I read it as being now don't forget my readings mean shit because i for half the no, film i thought too. it was witches but uh <laughs> but um i thought pearl was a mastermind but he was yeah. in on the plan i see that's interesting if that makes sense because honestly i could just be remembering it wrong too because it's been like a second since i've seen it but me too i saw i think two weeks ago mm-hmm. yeah because i did not see it opening week and i saw it like the week after but anyways, because I read it, he's like, I'll do anything you want. You know that. Yeah. And just like the way he tricks Jenna Ortega into the basement. That was. Oof. I'm like, you knew what you were doing. Oh, he definitely knew what he <laughs> that was, was doing there. That was not improvised. <laughs> yeah. And no, and I think obviously there was a good amount of it that was like, he knows that all these kids are going to get murdered. So he probably can't let any of them live. But yeah, I don't know. I do think he was, you know, now I'm thinking back to it. I think you're right. Because I was originally thinking, like, maybe he genuinely was looking for his wife, but he happened to, like, need to kill Kid Cuddy on the way anyways. But mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think he lured lured him out there to... On purpose. Uh, right. Yeah. And then... Um, oh, because she was murdering Brittany Snow at that time, too. So yeah. that would make sense, I think. Yeah. And all the credit to the actor, but when he was giving Kid Cuddy the death glare, like, mean mugging, I was like, oh, that's a mean face like he he's in on it he yeah he about to do something and then he did something i was like damn that that's something about x it makes me go damn a lot yeah for sure i don't want to say there aren't that many movies that do that anymore because i think we are in a really good era of horror we're in a great era but that one was certainly a refreshing take on it you know yeah like this one had definitely as a higher damn per minute for me than most yeah. other films this one was just so shocking and so so much of it was like stuff you just really couldn't guess or i mean you could but it was like so crazy that 
and it felt like the shocks weren't cheap either. Like, no, it, it was shocking. It wasn't out of shocking, nowhere, but also set up. Yeah. yeah. Like everything paid off. Totally. And I, the more I think about X, the more, because <laughs> my friend and I, when we were heading back home, we were like, yeah, that was a brilliant film. I'm never watching it again. I, I saw it the <laughs> once and good enough. And then like, I kept thinking about it. The more the you think about it, you're like, you're like, crap, I have to watch more. Like, yeah, like this is something I'm going to have to buy and study because because the yeah, more I think I about really, it, the more I, I love it. I can't wait till it comes out so I can like look at it shot by shot and really deconstruct it. And I think it's a film that is going to have a lot of like a wealth of knowledge when you do deconstruct it and mm-hmm. see what's working underneath. And I don't, I was about to say it was designed for that. I have no clue. It feels like it was. I mean, I think Ty West is a really brilliant director and I think he put so much like hidden meaning into it that I just think we haven't once we get a chance to really dissect it, I think it'll be, I think we'll be able to figure that out. And it's funny. Or at because... least I like to think that. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. Because I think half of film studies is just knowing you're pulling shit out of your ass. Well, I think that's kind of the beauty of it too, is like maybe the director didn't intend it to be that way, but if you're interpreting it that way, like especially yeah. for for like interpretations of like queer readings of films and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like obviously I don't think, you know, Luke Skywalker was written to be read as a gay man. But I think if you're growing up gay and you relate to that experience, like he is, you know? And yeah. so th- that's kind of how I how I read all film criticism of like, maybe the director didn't intend this, but like art has a way of kind of doing its own thing. And it- it's not existing solely in like what the creator intended. It's its own living, breathing thing. Okay. So you're kind of talking, I think it's called reader response theory. Is that kind of what you're I honestly don't know because I haven't really looked into I don't know we haven't there's really a lot of film a lot there's a lot of film theory to go about I'm only in first year of film school <laughs> and I'm a few years removed so we're probably <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to that terminology we're probably equals because yeah I'm a couple years removed I, for, I forget so much you know I mean it's really hard <laughs> to keep track of what everything is called but sure we'll we'll go with that like it's I think it's the way it's interpreted yeah and that's why I think art matters differently to everyone because it's like I can read a film one way and you could read it a completely opposite way and both ways are totally valid right it's only in extremely extremely certain rare cases where someone could be wrong about Mm. a film I don't think that happens often yeah like if someone would were to call I don't know Jurassic Park evangelical conservative propaganda (laughs) film I'd be like that's wrong yeah like (laughs) yeah I'd be interested yeah, like, in that argument, but it no, yeah, be a good and that's one. the thing is like if you can support your argument, then I, then like go go for it, you know. Yeah. But it's like I don't know; it just kind of depends. It, it depends on how we all like, watch things, and we also have all different yeah. experiences in which ways we'll relate to a character. That's true. Yeah, I don't know, because like I watch, I tweeted about this, and a lot of people got really angry. But like I watch Carrie, and I see it as a like coming of age story about like being a lesbian in a very small conservative town in a really you know conservative family whereas most people were like what are you talking about that makes no sense like absolutely not but then I talked to a lot of my queer friends and they're like no that's absolutely the story so again I think it just sort of depends on your own experiences because a lot of people might not understand the specific experiences that's really cool um I don't understand why people would get mad about that I just I see it as a, a lot of, new interpretation every time, every I never time people got of. upset about it I was like this is interesting so why are you upset yeah because like I think that's cool. like how does that take away that. from you yeah and like Carrie for example Carrie is unique um is, is exciting to talk about because that's a very broad 
um, very, a lot of people can identify, but the more you go in, you put in your, um, your experience. own identity because there's right. so much, there's so much that you can. I feel like Stephen King left a lot of space within her character for her to be relatable to a lot of people. And so, especially for people in oppressed groups that are often bullied for their identities, like, of course, you're going to relate to that. And Carrie is like one of the, like the archetypes of the outsider in horror. Yeah. And she does like Leatherface to, you know, cert- make our conversations a bunch of circles. Connect back. Exactly. Carrie did not get to choose her upbringing. Yeah. That's one of the things about her film, that about her story that is so interesting and so depressing is her upbringing yeah. is just, you know, she would be such a different person if she didn't have that. And it's such not until, person. and it's not until like maybe halfway through the film, she realizes, oh, I'm not normal. This mm. isn't normal. No, the other yeah. kids don't have to do this. And fun fact, Carrie is one of the horror films that traumatized me when I was little. Me too. <laughs> it was one of the first ones I ever watched. I had this conversation with someone the other day, but I feel like there are uh, certain fi- like horror films that are always on television when you're mm. like five or six and it's different for everybody. Yeah. But for me, it was Carrie, Jaws and um, the Amityville Horror. Oh, that was always on television or at least when I was walking into the room <laughs> and oh, I'd get God. traumatized by the prompt. Yeah, that's scene. horrifying. Jaws was never a problem because that's a film like is part of my soul. But the Amityville horror was scary. That was scary. That scares me now. Like, And I remember like I have not seen that movie in years, but I remember like the pig looking out the window. Yeah. And so uh, and that's I forget his name, but um, what's his face? It's Josh Brolin's dad, right? Oh, I think so. I forget his name. James, maybe? But I'm pretty James sure that's... James Brolin. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Thanos' dad getting haunted is definitely so a weird. film. <laughs> Barbara Streisand's husband. As someone who has not seen House of the Devil, should I expect to see any Amityville horror references? You should expect to see every horror reference. Uh, there are so many, but yes, um, especially because it's like a house centered horror and there's a lot of like evil within the house. Yeah, but it really is like it's named after like a classic horror film and it's kind of just I think it's meant to be a love letter to a lot of classic horror films so because X is definitely a love letter to classic horror films as well like we've mentioned like we mentioned plenty already Texas Chainsaw Psycho Alligator which I haven't watched it yet but I just bought the 4k of Alligator I haven't had a chance to put it on yet and I'm so excited that's awesome have you seen Alligator no I've been meaning to I'm very excited to because as I said I love love those movies so you're a big fan of the post Jaws creature feature wave of like the late 70s early 80s and like even the ones of today like the sharknados mm-hmm. i i love like santa jaws type of <laughs> type of movies two-headed shark attack three-headed shark attack you know i really love especially shark exploitation that's kind of my my specific genre but um yeah i love them all i think they're so much fun and i love when they when we get really mainstream ones like the meg was so much fun mm-hmm. deep, deep blue, blue sea. sea yeah we just said that at the same time i, I love deep blue sea Seeing Samuel Jackson get attacked by a shark in the middle of a monologue is it, it's undescribable. <laughs> it's it, that blew my mind when I first saw it. The fact that they did that was such a big statement and 
you have to respect them for that like they knew exactly what kind of movie they were making and it's so well done because it's playing up the heroic monologue it's out of nowhere and i think it's post independence day so i think it's poking fun at independence day a little bit so good oh my god um that's at least that's the vibe i got yeah but like oh that film is a banger have it you really, ever honestly seen... like it's really good like it's a genuinely yeah. good movie and the cast is good too the like it has a cast really good hello cool J. like yeah it's crazy he goes up to the shark it gets said mama's gonna knock you out that didn't yeah. happen in the movie but <laughs> deep blue sea too mm-hmm. he's also one of the first ever black men to survive an entire horror movie which is pretty cool is he really yeah i don't think he's he's that's... not the first but he's one of the first yeah yeah that's I'm trying to think of the only other one I could think of is Kincaid in Nightmare 3. Mm. But then they kill yeah. him off in like 10 minutes in Nightmare yeah, 4. Yeah, so, so it's like, does it really count? But I, I still like, but yeah, I can't think of any. That's really, really cool to think about. I mean, it's kind of sad, but <laughs> it is, I mean, it's a great movie. Oh, yeah. So you can kind of, I don't know. I appreciate that they did that. Like, I think shark movies especially but any kind of movies like that often get written off as like being really silly but i think like they do do a lot for the genre that that doesn't really get looked at you know yeah i should not have started talking about shark movies that was a mistake (laughs) it's never a mistake talking about shark movies shark movies are great they are Um, and if Ty West didn't want us talking about shark movies in our podcast a a gator in his movie because it's all the same animal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i mean he knew what he was doing yeah he he knew he so, was baiting us exactly and you know what we took the bait we're just hmm. like the sharks <laughs> have you ever seen a it's a sci-fi original called ghost shark yes <laughs> okay the okay ghost i shark never get to insane. talk about ghost shark ghost shark is incredible i love the sci-fi shark movies and the mm-hmm. more they make, the weirder they get. And it makes no sense. Like land sharks. I think <laughs> I'm pretty sure they did land sharks. I don't know. But they would used to do these marathons of all of their shark movies before each Sharknado was released. And mm-hmm. so that was like, I was a kid when Sharknado was really popular. So like every year my mom and I would watch like the marathons that would lead up to it. So we would get to watch like go shark and we'd, we'd watch like all the shark the three-headed shark attack i don't know they made like a million of those movies but like house shark like we would just watch <laughs> oh my god sorry i'm looking through shark movies now and i got really no, excited um just the craziest sand sharks <laughs> i don't know how these movies get made but i'm so glad they do didn't they make yeah. sharks of the corn isn't that a they thing actually they did it's a it has a one-star rating <laughs> I have to watch this. This looks incredible. Strange things are happening in Druid Hills, Kentucky, known mainly for its corn output. Victims of monsters in the... There's sharks in a cornfield. That's what it is. There's great white sharks swimming in the corn stalks. How was I not involved in making this movie? You, you got to get on that. You have to start making phone Stephen, calls. Stephen Kang's Sharks <laughs> of the Corn. That's iconic. And the oh sharks, the sharks, the sharks are like people in a shark costume oh my god i'm watching this immediately anyways so yeah <laughs> ghost shark ghost shark though is wonderful i haven't seen that film in ages i need to rewatch it it's i um, remember when that premiered really my buddy when what me up. 2013 well yeah I was 10. I, oh god i was in my first year of college 
That's the but one my, where like the shark goes through walls and stuff, right? Well, it has to have like a body a body of water. Like there's a car wash at one point and a little kid somehow steals the a car. The slip and slide, this. yeah. The slip and slide death is the funniest thing I've ever watched. Well, like the car wash, the shark comes out of a bucket <laughs> and starts eating like the girls at the car wash. And it's That's so incredible. ridiculous. But I love, I love the the landslide shark um ghost go shark the land not lands love slide the <laughs> words are hard. shark attack you know <laughs> what is it shark shark to puss versus whale wool attack of the jurassic shark shark and saw women's prison mega shark versus crocosaurus i Hell think yeah. i think that they're the best movies some of the best movies made did you ever see shark attack 3 megalodon the not. other ones are not as good in my opinion but that's because i really like megalodons it's really good john john Behrman, who he was in like doctor who he's been in everything um he's like a pretty famous actor he was in it and he's just incredible it's a really great movie i love this whole i feel like it's not even a tangent anymore i just feel like it's a whole section <laughs> this is a separate this episode. episode yeah it's i'm gonna have to put like <laughs> we're talking about x featuring the uh shark exploitation <laughs> genre but in all seriousness, we can't talk about shark exploitation without talking about how it negatively impacts sharks because sharks yeah. are not bad. Sharks are incredible animals that rarely ever attack people and they are currently being killed. 100 million sharks are killed every year and that it's like a really serious issue and we need them in order for our plants to survive because they protect yeah. our oceans. They're one of the main reasons that humans are like surviving. They're super good for our economy. And if all the sharks are killed, then we will not survive. So just putting a disclaimer out there, we need more shark research and more love for sharks. No, I 100% agree with that because these films are definitely like a double-edged so sword, fun, right? But they're, they're fun, yeah. but they have these, they're monster movies and sharks are, they're not werewolves. Mm -hmm. Not to say that they're werewolves real. aren't real. I, I can't prove they aren't. But um, <laughs> we can prove sharks are real, you know? Well, yeah, they're like animals we see all the time. And so and it's with, one of those things where they're just, they need to be treated with more respect, I think. And it's crazy because Jaws, I don't know if Jaws is a shark exploitation film. Oh, it even totally though it's, is. It is the shark movie. But Jaws, you can get me going on and on for hours about how Jaws is a horror movie and it pisses me off that people are out there trying to say it's not people that consider it not a horror movie just it doesn't make any sense right but anyways you make the biggest film of all time and it inspires so much fear mm -hmm. of sharks to the point where an entire generation like thinks twice about going in the water even if it's a lake and that's you know a really negative thing yeah but well, the then, author yeah peter benchley yeah the author even came out and was like i regret writing jaws because i didn't know you know how much people were gonna hate sharks and he became like a shark conservationist afterwards and he like educated people on on why sharks aren't bad and he like really you know i don't know i kind of appreciate that because there are very few shark conservationists but um it's so sad that he had to be like i wish i hadn't written this because he got so many sharks killed but on the flip side he also fascinated so many people with sharks yeah. i don't think we get shark week without jaws no. and the subsequent shark exploitation creature features of the 70s and 80s yes the negative impact cannot be undone but it also inspired the flip side of that mm -hmm. same a positive impact because first off shark week there is a massive exp um, exploit a massive converse conservation oh my god 
conservation effort. Oh, conservation. Yeah, for sharks to the point where Eli Roth, who you can tell Jaws is one of his favorite movies, he makes the documentary Mm -hmm. trying to help save sharks. I don't remember the name because I think it's Finn, which is about the finning industry in the real life horrors of that. I don't know. It's interesting. I think Jaws did a lot of harm and a lot of good. I think the main issue is not even, I I think the main issue isn't Jaws because like I watched Jaws and then sharks became my favorite animal for the rest of my life and like my everything. But um, I think the main issue is just the lack of education outside of that because people have such a negative view of sharks and they really don't know what's happening to them. And that's why films like The Meg and like The New Deep Blue Sea were really interesting because they actually brought attention to it even Sharknado, Sharknado brings attention to the finning industry. And so I think the more mm-hmm. we bring attention to how much they're dying, the more people will start to care because even if we find them scary, like, I don't know, there's something so fascinating about them that I think, I think they're fascinating to everyone. And we kind of like watching Shark Week and we like watching sharks, you know, jump out of the water and attack yeah. seals. Like it's cool. And there's Especially something- when they do it in slow motion. Oh, yeah, that's a really cool thing. So I think there's something- really special about them that I I don't know they fascinate everyone and I think it, if more people knew just how endangered they they really were and cared more there would be less less killing of them and there's also even outside of the finning industry there are so many people that just kill sharks just to kill sharks and they don't even do anything with it like there's shark hunting competitions at a lot of like fishing clubs and stuff and it's just so disappointing it's the same people that like hunt elephants and stuff and it's like why are you doing this like you're not gaining anything it's wild do these people even take the sharks home you know no like a lot of times they just throw them back in the water it's like and it's not like you're eating them you know like it's right and and even if you were like it's such a they're such an endangered species that it would eat something okay either way yeah. You, you have to go well out of your way to hunt a shark. Yeah. I live in Michigan, so I grow up where hunting deer is normal. But, you know, deer, deer are... aren't endangered. You eat <laughs> yeah. them. You use them. A lot of times it's good to hunt a few of them because there's so many deer. Yeah. So it's not that I'm opposed to hunting or anything, but the fact you go so out of your way to hunt an endangered animal is... Yeah. It's crazy to me. To bring it back to Jaws for a second, before we bring it back to X, to X. it's just wild that that single, a single film can change so much in a variety of fields because I don't know we'd be having this conversation no. about sharks without Jaws. And there's definitely no Shark Week. No, I think that's definitely a testament to how, like the power that, a movie can have and how important they are but it's it also shows like the double-edged sword there yeah and then the movie didn't just you know mess with science it changed cinema forever Mm -hmm. as a art form as a business model we do not get the avengers without jaws for better or for worse i don't know how people feel about that but that it you know i say for better it transformed the filmmaking world to where like blockbusters are a thing. These studios need to have these tentpole films in order to survive. And then that takes takes away like the mid-budget films to the point you get crazy independent wild movies like X and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, <laughs> the biggest movies of all time. There's not as much middle. <laughs> yeah, and they are coexisting, but that middle ground 
isn't really a thing anymore. And Jaws is a big reason why. Mm -hmm. And Jaws is fascinating to me on how it transforms cinema because it's like the first real franchise, you know? I mean, sequels existed before Jaws. The Godfather Part 2 is stopping by to say hello, but... I mean, they made so many Jaws films, though, and and it... I don't know. It got so much more attention, I feel like, than other sequels might have. Especially in the horror genre, because I think Jaws set the template for Halloween and Friday the 13th and Nightmare, where it's like you have this crazy, great first film, then you have an okay second. (laughs) By the time you're in three and four, you go off the walls. (laughs) As you should. A lot of the third, like Jaws 3D, Friday the 13th, uh, 3D or part 3D. I, f- I forget what it's called, but that one was in 3D. I don't think Dream Warriors was in 3D, but Dream Warriors definitely was, was. Yeah. And then you don't get any more different from the first Halloween than Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Halloween 3 Season of the Witch isn't even like a Halloween film. It's just, <laughs> it's its own thing and it's wonderful. And it should have been in 3D now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine the Silver Shamrock song happening <laughs> in glorious so 3D? Good. I guess Maybe that's audio and would not be. Oh. <laughs> they could do 8D, 8D audio. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that. So yeah, X is really good. I think. <laughs> <laughs> totally got off topic there. A lot. I want to take too much more of your time because okay. there's so much more topics we, we could wildly jump to. So let's bring it back to X. Do you have yeah. any final thoughts about X slashers are back. We know this slashers are original content is winning. We need more original content, especially more content centered around young people. I didn't really get into this as much in the podcast, (laughs) but something that's been very alarming to me recently is like horror for the most part if you look back on its history has at least horror movies have really been centered towards younger audiences and teens. And they've usually been the biggest audience towards horror films, at least like when we saw the slasher boom back in like the 70s and 80s. Now the numbers are kind of dwindling where we're seeing a lot less, a lot less teenagers and a lot less young people going to horror films and enjoying horror films. And while it's great that like older generations can enjoy them as well, and they definitely should be able to, I don't know how well a love of horror will be able to be passed down if we're not making content for younger generations. So X made me so happy and gave me so much hope to see that. This is Jenna Ortega's year. She should be cast in every other horror film ever made and every other film made because just go <laughs> Jenna. Mia Goth is incredible. Brittany Snow is incredible. Kid Cudi. The entire cast. Everyone's great. <laughs> movie was very good. That's my I, I loved it. I can't wait to own it. Hopefully on 4K Blu-ray if I have to. But um, and watch it like all the time. Like it'll be it'll definitely a film that will be in rotation. And since I know the cast and crew are listening to my small little podcast, <laughs> you guys did great. Very proud of you. I'm excited to see Pearl. Yes, I That's can't wait for fun. Pearl. That like and the fact that they shot it back to back is crazy. It's oh, it's it's going to be so good. I can't wait. They made a whole ass movie in seek with that anyone knowing and it made like the best tease at the end because i had no clue there's gonna be more of these and i i can't wait for it it's gonna be awesome what are you up to what can the people who are gonna flock to follow you what can they expect to see from you in the future uh okay well i'm currently working on a lot of things i'm not sure if i'm allowed to talk about them i'm working on a book that should be i don't know when it's releasing but it's soon ish maybe maybe around 
maybe next year i don't know i need to talk to and i'm working on an anthology film right now with some friends uh you can follow me gory cory horror on twitter and at underscore gory cory underscore on instagram and my blog is gory or gory and that's gory cory with no ease <laughs> i love that i can't wait until sci-fi hires you to create the I have, next flag of uh i have an ghost idea. movies i have some i have some great ideas for well i think they're great for for some shark insane shark movies for sci-fi so so we're manifest <laughs> we're not going to get into the ideas but no. we're manifesting that energy yes that's what we're doing <laughs> all right thank you so much for being on the show again no, thank um, you i'll have to bring you back soon and we'll do this every every couple of months you know yeah thank you for listening to today's episode Thanks again to Gory Corey for joining me for a second time to talk about acts, sharks, and more. I know what you're thinking. They forgot to say whether or not they would die. You know, the whole point of the show. I just wanted to clarify that no, this was a conversation about the film, not a specific villain that we, we would meet, you know what I mean? Also, yeah, I forgot. My bad. But talking about acts, I just wanted to say that I saw everything everywhere all at once recently, and Holy moly, that film blew me away. That, and films like Axe and uh, Fresh, give me hope because there is a lot of fascinating original films being made. I always hear people complaining that there are too many franchises and no more original content, but that's just simply not true. There's so many great original films out there that it's mind boggling. We just have to go out and find them. It's not gonna be as easy as, you know, seeing the Marvel movie, those those films are going to get all the marketing. That's just how it is now. But take a gamble once in a while, in addition to seeing your favorite blockbusters. Like, I'm still going to go see Jurassic World Dominion and Thor and such, but I'm also going to see films that I don't really know either. Treating yourself to a matinee with a film you never heard of can be some of the best experiences. Anyways, if you liked what you heard, please rate, share, and subscribe. It'll help this podcast grow, and those of you listening right now can brag to your friends on how you were a fan from the beginning. In fact, I see this podcast grow surely and gradually a little bit every day. And for that, I'm really, really appreciative of you guys. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. Feel free to talk to me on there, let me know what you think of the show, and give me any suggestions on what you might want to hear. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend, Josie Palmer. Next week's episode, we're doing a comprehensive deep dive into the cinematic history of one of the greatest horror monsters of all time. You won't want to miss it. Tune in next week when we talk about that spooky icon and much, much more. Until then, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die.